There's a new JK Collection shirt for Breeders' Cup 2022. The Winchell Epicenter Gold Label Epicenter NFT owners have special access to the limited edition JK button-up celebrating the achievements and stable of Ron Winchell. The Winchell Gold Label shirt is available only at openstable.io. Check it out there while supplies last. If you're an Epicenter fan or a fan of any of the Winchell runners at the Breeders' Cup, and you just want to wear the Winchell shirt for the Breeders' Cup Day without the gold label, you can go to Old Smoke Clothing, oldsmokeclothing.com, and for free shipping, you can use our promo code MONEY. Welcome to a very spooky edition of the In The Money Players podcast. This is our show for Monday, October 31st, a.k.a. Halloween. Peter Thomas Fornital back with you from uh, Shea Bell here in the Chevy Chase neighborhood of beautiful Lexington, Kentucky. Was out at the track early this morning. So happy to be here. It's a Christmas Eve feel that you get during Breeders' Cup week. All the anticipation and excitement building. And a man who's always excited about this weekend, and with good reason, based on some of the results he's had, whether it's been in the Pick 6 or the Breeders' Cup Betting Challenge. He'll be here tomorrow, it sounds like. He's Jonathan Kinchin. What's up, JK? Yeah, PTF, I'm looking forward to it. It's, it's, it is one of my favorite weekends, weeks. Um, and it's obviously kind of grown, right? I mean, like my first Breeders' Cup, my first Breeders' Cup was 2004. Um, and I've, I've told that story on these airways before, but I, it was in Lone Star Park in Dallas, Fort Worth, you know, famously, that's where I started going to the racetrack with my father. And it was, we bought the tickets off of eBay for $40. And uh, it was like this little chalet, um, and like the three eighths pole, like basically on the backside, they were like 40 bucks. And I was so excited. I had no idea who ghost zapper was. I didn't know. I didn't know anything and I lost every race. <laughs> I look back on it now that I didn't bet ghost zapper, which is hilarious considering the kind of horse player I am now. Your reputation, short, price, yes. Yeah, yes. short price horses that are forward. But uh, that was my first one. And then my, my first one of this streak was 2014 and I haven't missed since 2014. And, and that's the, the, or one of the first times we kind of hung out. Uh, That's for right. a little bit was was 2014 out in Santa Anita. So uh, I look forward to it every year. It's, it's always a ton of fun to see these 14 races and I guess 13 races back then, all the best horses in the world. It's uh, It never lets you down. We had met for the first time at California Chrome's failed triple crown attempt. The Tonelist, was it Tonelist? Who got the win yep. that day. And, and yeah, and then I think we had spoken somewhere in the interim but right, it was it was really at that Breeders' Cup out at Santa Anita, that crazy Breeders' Cup out there, that uh, you know the seeds for the In the Money Media Network were were really were really planted between that and the work that uh, Matt Bernier and I were doing at the same time. That was also a 2014 thing, the creation of the podcast. Matt and I both started working at DRF around May, but it wasn't until that fall where we really got serious. And it's one of those things that's sort of lost to time. If it was Matt who said to me. Or me who said to Matt, you know what's silly? There isn't a horse racing podcast. 
uh, Derek Simon, who we always give credit to as sort of the, when people say, oh, you're the OG podcast. No, we got to give that to him and we, what he was doing over at UBET. But that was sort of um, finished at that point for whatever reason. And and yeah, we, we started. And then those subsequent conversations with you, the success you had at a certain handicapping tournament, it all started to, to, to snowball into having 46 uh, YouTube videos that apparently everybody's watching. Yeah, I watched them last night. I woke up in the middle of the night at like 2.30 and I watched uh, the ones that you did. I, I watched, not all of them, um, but I watched, I watched a lot of like the Euro kind of influenced ones. So I, that's where I base all of my opinions. We'll talk about that because there's some of these sequences we're going to go over that obviously in, involve a lot of those. And, and, and that's kind of how I approach those. I just try to take in as much information as I possibly can because as a player who leans so much on speed figures when you don't really have them like we have them it's hard for me to make um solid assumptions i have to base them off of people i hear and their opinions um like tarnal last couple of years i never really knew how good she was from a speed figure standpoint i just knew how she good she was from uh the races she had run in her accomplishments and how people talked about her. And that's kind of how I'm going to treat a lot of these horses, you know, that we're going to have to talk about the, you know, what do you do with a horse like the platinum uh, queen or uh, what do you do with, with uh, Highland? What's her last name? Princess. You might've said that wrong. Cause I said it wrong in one of the earlier shows. Highfield princess. Yeah. So, you know, you got to kind of work through all of those things. And, and, and I'm just, so I'm still just gathering information, trying to, to come up with a plan. Well, it's a good thing that you're in, in the money plus subscriber, JK, because we are going to have Stephen Bonnick and also uh, with help from Rob Dove, one of the top 10 pro punters in the UK today, giving us the closest approximation possible to speed figures, looking at the international speed figures, also doing some work looking at the form figures and trying to translate them to get us somewhere where we can be doing apples to apples comparisons on these on these euro runners the guys when will that when will that come that will be i gotta talk to steven about it i'm gonna hope it's gonna be sooner rather than later you know we'll wait for the draw he's he's very quick so i'd like to say we're gonna have something like that by midday thursday um with them being five five hours ahead so that that's something you can use in your analysis for sure love it and, and yeah, it's been fun. And I've done more work this year than in past year. I've done, I always do a lot of work on the Euros, but it's just the way my schedule has worked out. I'm, I'm super ahead on the turf. I'm right on par for the dirt races, but I'm super ahead of the game on the turf. I even have like preliminary letter grades for all the turf for the seven turf races. So you I'm know, I had to do something a little bit different. I, I learned just like, I don't remember where I used to get so excited. And when the pre-entries came out, I would print those PPs and then I would start doing all my work. One of the things I've realized why I stopped doing that is I would write really good, thoughtful, in-depth things in the pre-entries. I'd circle things. I would do all of this. And then when the draw came, I didn't have that stuff on there because you can't, I can't use the pre-entry PPs, the handicap where the 14 is, is at the top of the page and the 12 is at the bike. So I just have to kind of like wait a little bit until tonight. Yeah. And then There's I a workaround. Really I discovered this workaround years ago and it's appropriate because uh, DRF, at least on the horse player happy hour side, now back in, in, in the fold as a sort of one degree removed sponsors for us, but the using the entries on the pre entries on formulator, if you, if you use the horse notes in there, 
to to put the notes in. In other words, not scrawling on a PDF. But if you actually go in there and make the note within Formulator, it then carries over into the final PP. So that's my that's my attempted wise guy workaround on that. Well, that's not horrible. That's not horrible. <laughs> um, but you know, the other thing I always depend on too is flights. I'm usually yeah. flying after they draw. And there's nothing better to me to handicap than on a plane because your phone's not ringing. You can't move. You can't go anywhere. <laughs> you're stuck. Um, and and that, I, I can really kind of knock some stuff out when I'm on a plane. Yeah, for ADHD adjacent people like us, the plane ride can become very, very useful when it comes <laughs> to that type of situation. Our stated purpose here today is an analysis of the wagering menu. And it's really interesting and different this time around because there's some additional bets that people who've been following Keeneland regularly know we're a huge fan. For me, the headline is these all turf bets, the pick three on Friday, the pick four on Saturday. What do you think about these bets generally? And can you give folks a rundown of exactly which races are going to be covered? Yeah, no, I, I love these. I love these uh, these these different wagers that, that that give another opportunity to leverage your opinion. One of the things we talk about all the time on the show, and, and one of the things I've tried to get better at is is picking my my get my game, picking my battle. You know, I mean, look at Saratoga; it's really hard not to get sucked into the pick five, the early pick five, or the late pick five, basically daily, or even the pick six with the dollar minimum. But one of the things that I I like to be able to do is is to look at these different options to really be able to leverage. An opinion. Um, if you have a strong opinion on Friday in one of the turf races, the $3 all-turf pick three really could work for you. It's going to be the, the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf Sprint. It's going to be the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf and the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf Phillies, Phillies Turf. So it's it's all three of those turf races on Friday, that $3 minimum that, that, that Jim Goodman and, and Keeneman have done so well with. So um, that'll be a fun little sequence. You know, it's tough for me in that situation. If I were to, you know, we can go ahead and attack that one now. The, the one thing that I think, the one opinion I have, I think, is that uh, I do think Speedboat Beach is pretty darn good. Um, and I do think that, I know the figure didn't come back blazing fast last time, but Speedboat Beach has something that I think some of these others don't, which is, in his name, super, super fast going to be forward the turf is going to be firm he's going to continue to be better he's got that kind of dirt grittiness about him and they're gonna bet they're gonna bet they're gonna bet wesley and they're gonna bet the platinum queen and i think there's gonna be a little bit of an opportunity with speedboat beach being a little bit ignored um let's not forget how california turf sprinters do in, in these turf sprint races we see in the breeders cup so i think there's an opportunity to build something around speedboat beach beating some of those horses in that first leg and then trying to just use the logical euros in, in the other two spots. I know you have some stronger opinions about, about those two-year-old uh, two-turn turf horses. I want to steal an opinion here from, uh, from Rishi Prasad, who was on the work show yesterday morning and did make this great point about how important the draw is for the Platinum Queen. And by the time most people are look, listening to this, the draw will have occurred. But she tends to hang left in her races when she gets – um, under pressure. So for me, what that means is I'm going to like her a lot more if she's drawn, not necessarily on the rail, but, you know, inside where if she has that running rail to help her, 
I think she's going to potentially be able to run her fastest race. If she does that, she's going to be very, very tough to peg back for me in here. Now, obviously, the the we've talked so much on the, these shows about not always loving the shippers in the turf sprints because of how much faster the American gate speed is. That gets to part of your point about speedboat beach. I'm not too worried about it, though. I, I think that, you know, when you see one that breaks with the kind of alacrity we've seen from the Platinum Queen, I'm, I'm, I'm unconcerned. I'm also not underrating the other, uh, well, one of the other Euros in there in particular, Mischief Magic, I'm very, very interested in. It seems to be flying a little bit under the radar. One of the interesting things about maybe using this race as a target is the presence of Tyler's Tribe. One of the great, great stories at this year's Breeders' Cup, no doubt about it, and a horse that, you know, I'm certainly rooting for in spirit, the story of the name, 20-year-old female apprentice jockey, all this stuff. But, I mean, for this horse who's never tried turf, I think you can make the case that this could be your takeout reducer. Where do you stand on Tyler's Tribe? Did you get stuck on mute, JK? And I'm going to leave it in if you did. I did. My bad. My bad. Um <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's, it's, what would be a podcast if we didn't, if we didn't do that? Um, very fast, very fast, ton of speed time form actually leans a little bit to being, to being some turf pedigree there. Um, you know, some siblings, no siblings, but, but the damn ran okay on the turf. So, you know, it's one of those deals. It's a draw thing, but I will say this speed is dangerous in these situations. It's it, it always has been and it always will be because there is talented horses in the race. There's going to be talented horses in behind, but they still have to – they got to work out a trip, and it's so short that there's no real room for error. So um, time form likes the horse, though, 105, 120, 105. I mean, those are those are fast numbers. And, uh, and you know, right there was Speedboat Beach. Speedboat Beach ran a 119 on debut on the dirt, came back and ran a 92 um, on the on the turf, but – no, definitely makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll we'll see how it we'll see how it goes. It doesn't seem like you're rushed, cutting in line to bet against Tyler's tribe, though. From uh, no, from that analysis. Now we probably don't have time to go into this level of detail. I realize for for each one of these races, we'll keep it pretty we'll keep it pretty high level. But I do think these bets are worth shining a bit of a a bit of a spotlight on. And the next one up in sequence would be the juvenile Phillies turf. Do you have an early thought on this one? Um, no, I don't really. That's this is one of those where. I, I need to get some, I want to see the draw and then I'll work. Once I get the draw, I will work through our horses to see if there's kind of a standout in terms of like a, a, a horse that kind of is above the rest of our Americans. And what I usually like to do in those situations is like use that one, maybe one of the other ones, and then use the euros that are, are, are getting a lot of buzz. People are talking about it. That's, that's kind of how I've always done it. Um, and for me, the light is one I want to try to keep a look on. She makes her own trip. She gets her own trip uh, being forward the way that she is. So as of right now, she's kind of the American that, that I'll be leaning on. And then uh, Chikira, if she can get in, um, and it looks like she probably will, I, I think that she's she was pretty impressive uh, at Saratoga. And, and, and I'm going to forgive her dirt performance and, and hope that maybe she can get in the mix as well. She'll be a huge price. I think they'll just completely forget about her. Phil Bauer, she's still, you know, she just won a maiden race. She hasn't even run in a turf stake before. So I, I, I think she could be forgotten from a price standpoint. Um, I think she's very interesting. Looking at figures and doing the work I've done, Zagira is really the one of the Americans I would say that I like the best at this stage. And I think, you know, I do have a preference for Meditate. I've already backed Meditate. You know, part of that was just the price, seven to one 
was just kind of crazy, I thought, on her, even with Blue Rosen in the race. But, I mean, there's not that much between her, in my mind, than Midnight Mile or, or Spirit Gallon. I didn't come up with Basil Martini or Basil Martini, as they would say over there. But uh, Mark Kramer, who's a frequent guest on our airwaves, likes the horse. So, yeah, that that's one. Um, it's it's one to get pretty, pretty uh, I think I'll have sort of a main line and then several backup lines running through that one in this in this turf pick three. And I, I really do like the three dollar minimum. It's going to keep people from doing it's going to keep people from spreading too much, which I think will help punters in that sense. And it's going to probably keep it computers from being able to make it completely efficient as well. I just, I, I don't, smell value here. I don't even think the computers will play this game this right. very much. Yeah. Uh, just from people we've talked to about the computers, they don't like two-day picks, and they don't like those those sequences like that. They just don't. They're Because they're new, they haven't had the time or the, the information to be able to do what it is that they do, which is to try to just pick up pennies right. and the occasional dollar. It's there's not enough information for that. That's why another reason why I like them so much. Yeah, exactly. From a game selection point of view. Now, next up is a race, the juvenile turf. That I think if we see the A game of Silver Knot, the others are basically running for second. But I'm and I've talked about this horse ever since his debut win. That I think is the the, the interesting one of the Americans. And that's and the winner is. And I don't just say this because I'm in, in the, the bell house and, and the connection to Mill Ridge with Oscar performance as the sire. But I, I'm a big fan of and the winner is who I've always liked and I thought took a big step forward last time. So same kind of deal. I'll probably have a minimum line to several, but I can see myself pressing up those two silver knot and then the winner is. Yeah, I, I, uh, I'm very busy. I think is interesting to me. That horse ran well on debut. Um, Caught a yielding turf course last time. Didn't run particularly well, but you know, it's this is whichever one of these turf horses kind of makes it to this spot for Chad. You know, this might not have been his favorite one. This might not have been his quote unquote best one. But whichever one makes it here, they're always going to have a little bit of a chance. And and so I'm very busy. I think would be the the one that's a little interesting. But yeah, based on what everyone said and what I've heard so far, Silver Knot looks like a possible lean. And uh, and even Timeform US, it's one of the things that we've gotten over the last few years is Timeform US having those European numbers and the American numbers attempting to have them on the same scale. It's not perfect, but it is a guide. And, and Silver Knot having a 107 last time, which is, you know, five to six points faster than most of these others in here. So I think that's that's encouraging. Folks know how much I love Timeform and Timeform US. This is not a dig. But I will just say that the way they're doing their conversions from those figures, I can't give you all the particulars of it. I think it has something to do with the way that weight for age is computed to the numbers. I'm not exactly sure. But I find they, generally speaking, underrate the euros. And the calculations that, uh, that Stephen and, uh, and, and Rob are doing, I feel like, based on the work they did for us all year with the, the, um, those uh, shipping forecasts, I think they've got a better methodology on that on that specific thing of what the Euros are going to run here. I'll just throw that out there to folks uh, looking for, for something else. I think we should do the same trick with the races on Saturday, just a high-level look at, uh, at these four. We'll get into some of the other bets later. But let's do a little tangent question, and then I'm going to throw us to a break here, JK, and then, and then we'll come back. But the tangent question is, any advice for people on trying – to choose 
which sequences to be in. There's such an embarrassment of riches with rolling doubles and rolling pick threes and the, the pick fives that have been added. You know, we'll get to all the particulars of it. But how would you tell somebody to try to figure out where to put their money? Oh, this is, this is great. You remember those those bowl? I always hated them, but those bowl uh, uh, bowl game prediction things where like you had to like pick your uh, you know, you pick who you think is going to win the game, but then you had to rank your confidence. But like, yes. this is my most confident game. And this is the game I'm the least confident about. What I would do if you're really attempting to do that is to take the 14 races that there is and, and rank them, rank the yeah. 14 races, one through 14, and then find the pools that have the most of your highest ranked races. If you love, if your strongest opinion is in the classic, then in your second strongest opinion is in the juvenile, then you need to spend a ton of money in the, the special double between the juvenile and the classic. Or if your favorite opinion is in the, the Breeders' Cup turf, then you need to look at the juvenile turf to the turf special double. You also need to look at the all um, the all four pick four on Saturday and then the late pick five or late pick six on Saturday. You, so build it around where your opinions are. And, and try to maximize it that way. And I think the best way to do that is just to rank the 14 races. Another variation on that theme is something that Matt Vagvolgi does that he's told us about on the regular, which is giving a letter grade to each race. So I think he goes basically from an A down to an F, an F being I do not want to touch this race with a 10-foot pole to an A, this is one of the races I, I want to key around. And if you do that, you're going to see patterns and you're going to see situations where it might make more sense to play the pick three than the pick five or the pick four or stick to the double. So I, I mean, I think both of those ideas are really strong and I recommend that people go through that exercise. It's not, it's not that hard and you'll just, you'll have a visual representation, whether it's through rankings or letter grades or however you want to do it. I mean, I honestly, that, that might be the best advice we give um, to people on that, uh, on the wagering topic. I, I think we might be onto something here. And the other thing is, do not be afraid. This is Derby Day too. This is this is Saratoga all summer. Do not be afraid to action bet a sequence because you want to be involved because it is the Breeders' Cup. But don't. If you are a person who play, plays three hundred bucks into a pick five, you know, and and your whole budget for the weekend is you know a thousand dollars, you know, you shouldn't play three hundred in the early pick five on Friday. Unless your opinions are there, but people get so excited that it's Breeders Cup, you're you're in these allowance races, and next thing you know, you're upside down, and you're like if and even like for instance, like the 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 typically the early or the 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 Friday pick five because of the juvenile turf races, I'm never going to have overly strong opinions unless there's like a newspaper of record in there or a horse like maybe like a silver knot where I just really get excited and I'm completely underwhelmed by the Americans. You don't like. Just play a hundred dollar pick five on that day, and maybe spend five hundred on the late pick five on Saturday, and go up from your typical three hundred. Just don't feel like you got to play in every stinking pool the same way you do. Oh, you no. know, it's just you know, find the the places where you have the best, you have the the, the most edge. And I think as part of this exercise of going through and grading the races, you should have a budget in mind for the weekend. Whatever it is, you know, it could be $100, it could be $10,000, but have that in mind and get kind of specific about plans to allocate that money, like what JK was talking about. And I would also say, 
if you, I wouldn't have any problem with somebody saying I'm planning on spending X on action bets. And you could do that a couple of different ways. I think it probably makes sense to have like a separate action budget. And then if you get hot with that stuff, you know, feel free to feel free to mess around. Right. I mean, if you're seeing the ball, well, if things are going your way, that's, you know, that's not the time to, to, to wrap up. That's the time to bet more. But I'd also say, and this isn't enough, honestly, I'm giving you the wrong answer here because the real answer of your ratio of your proper bets to action bets should probably be considerably higher than 10 to 1. But knowing we're horse players and how exciting this is and we're willing to, to pay for thrills, as it were, um, respect to Philly Joe, that I would say that ratio might work. On, that might work for Breeders' Cup at, as, as low as, as 10 to 1. But, you know, get the action bets to start as low as they can be and the prime plays as high as they can be. Any other bankroll thoughts, JK, before we proceed? Um, no, not really. I mean, I think the a- action thing, I mean, Marshall Graham kind of taught me that like he, he, you know, Marshall will fire away like the best of them. But one of the things he kind of taught himself is he'll bet $2 to win on, on, a, on a race. <laughs> and, and he'll do that just because he knows, he knows himself. He knows his brain. He knows he wants the action. He knows he wants to be involved. He wants to try to leverage this opinion, whether it's a, an F opinion or a, or a, you know, an A opinion, he wants to try to be able to play it and he'll just bet $2 to win. And instead of a typical play for him, which would be obviously significantly more. That's hard to do, of course, to bet that little. When one thing, when you, when you bet a lot and a lot of our listeners will be able to relate to this one, when you bet a lot, sometimes to like, I'm sick enough that to give it any meaning, I, I, I tend to have to bet, you know, more than $2, let's say. But one thing that you can do, one thing you can do, though, with those plays, when I first read about the concept of the action bet, and I think it was probably in Betting Thoroughbreds by Steve Davidowitz, one idea that was key to it, or this might be a buyer idea as well, bet a little to win a lot. You know, you can keep that. That amount can be very low if you're playing a cold exacta. And it's still like when it when I when it hits, I want it to mean something other than, oh, darn, I wish I'd bet more, which is, I think, for me, what would happen going as low as the, the, the old two dollar win bet. But, you know, that's just something else to think about. Some other ways to, to maybe stay out of trouble. Um, Contest-wise, one of these years, one of these years, JK, I want to get, see what we can do, if we know the right people, to get a low roller BCBC going. But, uh, and I don't know, are there, will horseplayers.com have contests? Because contests are another, they're just another great way to stay out of trouble and have tremendous action. Yeah, I don't know. They used to. I haven't. I honestly haven't been on either one of those. I haven't been on any of those for a while. Um, no specific reason, but um, they used to. But I don't know. I'd imagine. I, I don't know. I, I really Take have no idea. Up. But I completely see what your options are. No, they yeah. used to be. They were fun. It, it, like you play those, and you're, you're you know you're locked and loaded. Yeah, I would take a look and see what you can what, what you can do as far as uh, as far as that. Uh, let's see. Guaranteed two day and single day Breeders' Cup tourneys. Uh, nice highlight BC weekend. Yeah, they got some. They got a fifty thousand. Yeah, they got some. They got some things going on. I would check out horseplayers.com. You know, we're we're uh, we're partnering with them on horseplayer happy hour, and obviously we had fun sending a bunch of people to the Breeders' Cup betting challenge. You're not technically a partner sponsor at the moment, but I, I think you know when it comes to BC um, contest, that's going to probably be your best bet. I'm not sure if Sport of Kings has the content or anything, but check out Sport of Kings as well. Another uh, contest website should be on your radar because this is an important concept, not just for Breeders' Cup, but, but all year long. Find ways to have fun and stay out of trouble without 
you know, dwindling your bankroll. So then you get to your strong opinion on Saturday and you can only bet it for a fraction of uh, what you would have Bobby's kitten style, JK. There it is. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I gave you the chance to tell your Bobby's kitten story, but you feel like you've told it enough. Oh, it's so embarrassing. Yeah, no, I, I bet the I, I bet I bet the show on that horse because I wanted some more money, and then I got beat, and I couldn't bet Bobby's kitten. I had to just bet that in, in real life. But I would have missed. But to be fair, though, I lost a lot of the races after that. So okay. I think I it doesn't haunt me as that there was my Breeders' Cup win or something like that. Like I, I would have probably gotten defeat. I wouldn't have bet Byron. I wouldn't have bet. In, I wouldn't have bet uh, Caraconti. I wouldn't have bet uh, uh, the Sprint winner. Work all week. I wouldn't have bet, you know, uh, who won the turf that year? That was, was that, no, that was Highland Real. I think I did have Highland Real, but I just, I was wouldn't that, have, I wouldn't. That's funny. I, I get my, it all can, it conflates. To oh, me. you know what? Sure. Maybe Highland Real was Arrogate. I don't know who that yeah. was then. No, Arrogate. Oh boy. Yeah. Highland Real was definitely Arrogate. I can remember where I was. I think it was the, the main sequence horse for Graham Motion. I think. Oh that's yes, it. yes, yeah. yeah I, I didn't have main sequence either, so it but wouldn't it wouldn't have ended well. It's a funny thing about the decision tree. You know, when you make that observation, you you know, remember then you bet you did end up betting cash. You were done in the contest, but you ended up betting cash, and maybe you wouldn't have had that hit had you been alive in the contest. That's one of those funny things of the racing that I like stories like that because they help remind you not to get too up or not to get too down because you don't really know how the decision tree is going to is gonna pan out. Is that fair? 100%. 100%. Yeah. All right, we're going to go to a quick break, and then we are going to come back with a look at the pick four, the all-turf pick four on Saturday, and we'll look into these daily double bets as well. We'll be back right after this. Fixed Odds Betting, powered by BetMakers, is back across New Jersey, and it was a great success during the recently concluded Monmouth Park meet. The return's just fantastic for players, with 70% of horses paying more on Fixed Odds than they are on the tote. This is an exciting new way that really puts the power to get value in your hands, because the odds you bet are the odds you get. You're going to be hearing a lot more about fixed odds betting opportunities across the In The Money Media Network in 2023. Today's show also brought to you by our friends at Adelphi. If you listen to these shows, you know I'm not just a guy who reads ads for Adelphi. I'm a member of the club. This is a really fun racing partnership the members are really treated with uh, great respect as being part of the team. And the communication is second to none. This is a fiscally responsible approach to horse ownership. And you get to meet a lot of cool people and get a lot of thrills along the way. Various partnership offerings, including yearlings, two-year-olds in training, private purchases, and claiming options. Very active at the recently concluded Facing Tipton Saratoga yearling stale and still some limited shares available. Find out today. Go to the website, AdelphiRacing.com. You can reach out to Matt Kater directly, Matt at AdelphiRacing.com, or you can follow along on social media at Adelphi underscore racing or on Twitter at Adelphi Club. All right, JK, let's move ahead to this turf pick four on Saturday. I think I know which races there are because there are only four turf races on Saturday, right? Yeah, I think it's. I think there's only four, and I think we know which ones they are. It's gonna be Breeders' Cup Turf Sprint, Philly and Mare Turf, the Mile, and then the Turf. I think one of the most interesting international clashes comes in this Turf Sprint. There's so much European participation. It, it kind of makes me laugh about, of course, you know, infamously the comments that I made about uh, 
European turf sprinters heading into uh, the glass slippers year. I guess that was here two years ago and, and saying, oh, I'm not going to bet one until they win. Well, the, they immediately won. And whatever theory I had behind that is well out the window now. They, they, they have a very strong contingent. It's led by Highfield Princess, but I'm not ruling out a runner like uh, Creative Force or maybe even Naval Crown, uh, despite seemingly going off form. And then they've got three others as well. And then you've got the Ward team, the one that I'm really interested in in this race, who I think is going to represent great value, at least is representing great value right now, is my old friend Campanelle, who's around 14 to 1 internationally. I just think that's a little bit too big for a runner of her class. But of course, most of the money, most of the, the storylines here are going to be going through Golden Pal trying to win uh, yet again at the Breeders' Cup. Would that be three years in a row? And, and I think most of the international betting action is going to center around Highfield Princess. Are you leaning towards making it as simple as those two, or are you thinking about getting a little creative? Yeah, no, I mean, I think I'll probably just use those two horses. And in fact, what I'll probably do is I'll probably do, uh, because I have a Breeders' Cup Philly and Mare turf, kind of a wild opinion, not a wild opinion, but it's not it's not gonna like a, a favorite type of situation. I think here I'll probably single A Golden Pal and single B Highfield Princess. I, I just don't care. Um, Golden Pal is is probably the best turf sprinter that I've ever seen, um, let alone possibly the best turf sprinter ever. At least you know. I mean, I'm sure there's some Australians that have some ideas, but yeah. uh, you know, at least that we've seen. So you know, on his home court when he's going to make the front and, and what's likely to be the end of his career, like just give me him uh, because if he runs his race, he'll win. But for whatever reason, if he doesn't run his work, his race, then I, I, I can't see, especially from a time form us and a time form figure standpoint that Highfield princess can beat him. So I'll have probably her as like a single B and then I'll just, I'll just, just leave it there. The other ones just don't seem fast enough. seems like they have to have both of those top horses have to not show up for the other ones to win. And I'm just going to wager that one of the top two will show up. You've teased us about your Philly and Mare turf opinion. Is this the one that we talked about earlier on, which I have come to agree with you hundred percent on for uh, the Chad Brown barn? Yeah, I'm excited about watching it in Italia. I think she'll be forgotten in here a little bit, you know? Uh, I mean, Ruggier isn't going to take money. There, there's a lot of different horses in here for, uh, you know, and then there's obviously all the, the European contingency with, with Nashua and, and, and Tuesday and, um, and, and, and all the other ones. I, I, I just think that, you know, an Italian's going to be loose. The distance is going to be a problem. She likes the track. She gets Joel. And I just think a horse like her who can find the front and finish is so stinking dangerous in these turf races. Um, because you, get, you, you make everyone else make decisions. You yeah. know, it, it, the, the shorter distance really helps give her an advantage, I think. Because, you know, I'd love her at a mile and a quarter, just to be clear, though. What's that? I'd love her at a mile and a quarter, too, just to be yeah. clear. Yeah. But, but I think even that little bit of help when, you know, you have horses like Nashville above the curve who could just be getting going late on, that it, it just it gives her a, an advantage. And I certainly will be playing the top. Euro runners in here, but in Italian, I, she was available at 10 to one the other day and um, we, we cut a little bit out of that. So that, that, that's, that is a bet that I'm extremely happy and you won't see that obviously. I mean, what do you, what do you think she's going to be four, four to one, five to one? Um, no, I mean, they're going to come for those European, those Europeans. They always do. Um, they always do. I don't know. I, 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 you know, I think she'll be 
No, I think it should be seven to one. We'd have some breaking news here. Um, no Breeders' Cup for Jack Christopher. It's deja vu uh, all over again here. It says he was not entered. I haven't read the article. My my multitasking skills are not great enough to um, to, to to do that. So check out drf.com if, if you want the whole story. It'll probably be widely known by the time you're listening to this anyway. But that's uh, certainly a surprise and makes me happy we hadn't talked about uh, the Breeders' Cup Sprint yet because surely that's a name that would wow. have... Uh, would have come up crazy, huh? Chad, Chad said, I've decided not to enter Jack Christopher to race this weekend in the Breeders' Cup. Brown wrote in a text, it was a difficult decision, but it's my understanding the veterinary teams in charge of clearing horses to participate are likely to scratch the horse on or before race day, primarily based on the way he moves. I mean, I've done my due diligence and radiographed Jack Christopher from head to toe and sent the information to Dr. Larry Bramage. There's no fractures and areas of concern were found by him. Despite this, I feel it's best for all parties involved not to have him scratch later this week and take away from the positive media coverage that should be focused on our industry's championship event. <laughs> it's, it's shocking. Um, that, that that's wild stuff. Um, that the that the I mean, I guess it's possible that the rules here are so much different that here meaning the Breeders' Cup are so much different than the race day rules in you know the other jurisdictions where he's where he's run all year. But anyway, sounds like cigar. Sounds like cigar mile. Yep, that does sound like it would be the very logical next step. Um, we'll we'll see what happens with him. It's, it's annoying. It's annoying because, like, you know, just like seeing Chad talk about it and talking to him about what happened last year and then seeing the the, the, the silly Ray Pollock article and then Chad kind of popping back at him. It's it's Explain these trainers know the, yeah, give these that trainers a, know Give these that an explanation for those that don't know. These trainers know these horses, right? Sure. Is there some shady characters out there in the world? I think that there is. I don't think Chad is one of those. But one of the things I, I would say in the, the way that I'd explain it is if I were to get up this morning and, and you were to have a vet come watch me get out of bed, they would tell me I couldn't do anything. I, I look horrible when I wake up. I'm sore. I'm like whatever. I'm, it, it just happens. But I, I don't have any injuries. I'm sound. But what happens and what I think what happened with Dolce Zell is she's always just kind of warm, warmed up a little bit tricky. And then she warms up out of it and she's fine. And they, they, they scratched her last week. And I think Chad was upset about that. And it's, it, it, there's, I think there's a little bit more nuance involved. I'm not a vet. I'm just saying from what I understand, I think there's just more nuance involved with these horses and the decisions to scratch them on race day after only seeing them jog on the road for five minutes and not having a history with the horse. So, I mean, I think that's fair. I, mean, I see both sides of it from the Breeders' Cup point of view and being, you know, extra careful when there's this many eyeballs on the sport. I mean, this seems extreme, but again, it's not, it's not my area. And I certainly feel their pain of what they're trying to accomplish. And just to explain, there was a Ray Pollock article about the Dolce Zell scratch and a, a scratch of a, a high profile horse in Australia and, and, you know, I think he made some inferences that weren't, I mean, I'm just going to say it. I don't think they were terribly fair. And and I think Chad being quoted when he's, you know, upset about something in the moments after it happened and using that to supposedly represent his attitude towards horses. I, I didn't love that. And and apparently neither did Chad, <laughs> who, who, who took to Twitter to express his frustrations. Anyway, go read it if you're interested. Back to our regularly scheduled programming. <laughs> Next up is the Breeders' Cup Mile, a race with very strong foreign participation in the case of Kinross and Modern Games. But I'm not ready to just cede this race to them. Had the chance to see Annapolis in the flesh this morning. I thought he looked good. He just seems to be getting better and better. Late season three-year-old. 
ran fast over the course and distance. I'm going to keep him in the mix. And then my old buddy Smooth Like Straight is a horse that I see as a price play primarily, but on form, on time form US, this horse is in as good form, if not better than coming into the race last year when he was second. And, you know, 33 to one available internationally, way too big. And this is a horse, you know, I couldn't respect connections more, I think has a chance. Yeah, this is a spready situation for me. You know, Annapolis seems to be getting good. I've heard lots of good things about Bayside Boy. I'm I'm, I'm not going to leave domestic spending off. I think that he was, for the longest time, our best American horse. And, and to see him come back off of a break like this, Chad does has no interest in embarrassing Seth Klarman, Klarman Stables himself. He's not running this horse in here if he didn't yeah. think the horse had a legit chance to run well. He, he, he You know, he's not like he needs tickets to the Breeders' Cup or he, he wanted to throw another <laughs> – another uh, saddle towel on his, on the fence outside of his, uh, of, of his barn to kind of show that he's, he's here. I, I, people know, um, you know, uh, modern games, I'm going to spread in here, uh, especially in this sequence, because like I said, I'm going to be pretty, pretty aggressive in that first leg and that turf sprint. I'm going to be pretty aggressive with in Italian and, uh, and I'm going to be pretty, I'm going to be pretty aggressive in terms of tossing Warlike Goddess in the turf. So I want to try to catch something in here, uh, being in the middle leg of, uh, of the sequence. Bayside boy does not go. So that's one you do not have to worry about, but there we go. You know, it's a strong contingent of, of, of euros though. We're going to have plenty more on, on this whole team throughout the week. Just a reminder of other ways to follow what we've got cooking. I'm writing daily for at the races.com. We are going to be doing work for the Breeders' Cup social media team. So, you know, if you follow at Breeders' Cup, you'll be able to, to catch all that. And then I'd, I'd say Twitter will be a good place to get some other bits and bobs. He's at UT Big Hair. I'm at Looms Boldly over on there. One more race in the Saturday all-turf pick four. It is the turf. And it's a year. I'm just, I'm finding it very confusing, Jonathan. I'm, I'm, I keep going back and forth on who I'm going to make my pick in this spot. One thing I'll say, I'd be shocked, nearly speechless, but not quite, if an American wins this one. There's a lot of interesting possibilities coming from overseas. Yeah, look, it seems like the uh, – I heard Vanessa say it seems like it's going to be tough for the boys in blue. Um, I, I think Rebels' romance and, and Nation's pride based on what we've seen from them so far, and you tie that in with what Charlie Appleby has been doing in international racing – you know, you have to give them a ton of credit. And, and, and like I said, my biggest opinion in this situation, which would, which would have ranked this as an A opinion for me um, or pretty high up on my rankings of 1 through 14 with this turf race, is that Warlike Goddess took advantage of beating up on not very good uh, older, Amer- you know, American turf horses. You know, I, she, she, she couldn't get by Virginia Joy. I don't even remember who trains Costana. Temple City Terror is nice, but she would be 50 to 1 in this race, if not more. Family Way, Core Values, my sister Nat, uh, Great Island. I, I just, we're talking about a completely different level. And I, I just think that she's up against it against these really talented horses. And they're going to bet her into single digits for sure. I think she'll be about 4 to 1, 5 to 1. You know, and and I think that in 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 a lot of pools, people are going to have a hard time not using her, and and I think that there's a real opportunity to beat her. So, I, I got to do a little bit more work in here in terms of if I'm going to use any American horses, but definitely Nation's Pride, definitely Rebels Romance, um, and then we'll go from there. You know who's bolted back onto my radar? Rewatching the Sword Dancer and and looking at some other data is Broom. 
this is a horse who on these airwaves, I think I called average after the sword dancer run. I don't think that's fair when you go back and watch that tape. I mean, they did not have a good trip whatsoever. The, the form of that race is actually working out pretty well. I mean, horse, some horses who run back who haven't improved have excuses like Gufo coming back in two weeks at unique Kentucky Downs, etc. But a lot of the runners from farther back in the pack have, have run well. I, if you evaluate Broom off a race like the Hardwick at Ascot, um, and, and you look at how well he ran in this race last year, I'm not leaving him out of the mix. And I may even well wind up picking him. And then the other one you really have to ask yourself about, I actually, I'll tell you who the best horse in the race is. It's Mishriff on his, you know, overall body of work and merits. He just, you can really argue watching the tape of the last couple of races. Granted, excuses abound with ground, etc. But I mean, he also just kind of looks like a horse who might be tailing off, which is obviously not what you want going into the Breeders' Cup. But he's got plenty of races that, that win this. And that's something I'm not going to forget either. I'm not as tied in to European racing as most or as some and as you are, but I do have this impression that John Gosden wouldn't bring him over here just to, to just to, just to say he brought him over here. Yeah. He doesn't come across as that type of trainer. Uh, He's been doing it long enough. He's had enough success that like, what, why just bring over a horse like this? Who obviously has a future, a future as a stallion. Why bring him over here and embarrass him? Uh, on international soil if if he is tailing off i see i see i see what you're saying his form looks like he's tailing off right i i just think that there's probably more to it yeah i i hope you're right about that i will say this that the as much as the breeders cup is the the center of our universe internationally i just i don't think anybody would care one more loss on the on the copy uh, book wouldn't wouldn't make anybody think anything less of Mishriff in the way that they look at the world over there. Um, just throwing that out there. But at, at the same time, I completely agree when you say as a trainer, he's not dancing a dance just to just to dance a dance to me. I, I, I was actually surprised they didn't point more, skip the arc and point more for, for this race. Um, it's, it's confusing. It's a confusing race, but I think our opinions are, are pretty much in line, at least in the fact of, you know, being very thick, with, with foreign participation in the Breeders' Cup turf. Let's not sleep on these daily doubles, JK. We've got daily doubles connecting Friday and Saturday races. And again, what if you happen to have an A or your, your, one of your top-ranked races in the Juvenile Phillies turf, or excuse me, in the Juvenile Phillies and the Distaff? Well, you can bet. There's a bet for that, as they say. What, uh, what are your, do you have a, a quick angle in on, on that one? The, the first, which I believe is the first of the two day doubles. Yeah. I mean, I think I, you know, look, I, I, I'm rooting for, and I, and I like chocolate gelato and I think she could be the best horse in the race, but based on how slow her last race was and the way they're going to better, I think that there's an opportunity to try to beat her. Um, from a, from a, just from purely from a, a, a horse playing handicapping wagering standpoint uh, you know when she turns for home depending on what kind of wager i make there's a chance i'm rooting for her you know jacob west Potter and obviously rooting for for todd and rapoli and but i i i just i think wonder wheel and uh wonder wheel and um raging sea are, are a little bit interesting i don't know if, if you saw hoosier philly run yesterday she ran yesterday she was overly impressive uh, in the slop. I mean, she looked like a freak. I wish she would have run, was running uh, next week, but I, I don't assume that they'll bring her back in, in one week, but um, I, I think there's an opportunity there. And then like we've talked about Malathot and Nest uh, on the other side of this, of this special two day double. 
And my only thought, I haven't done the juvenile Phillies enough to even give an opinion other than the one that I gave before that I feel like it could be a wild result in there. And, but I will say this in the distaff, I'm very warm to Clarier. And I've made this point before on the airwaves, so I'll keep it brief. But I just feel like this is a case where one race ago, everybody and their brother agreed that Clarier had improved past Malafat. And now I feel like everybody's just decided this is either a match race between Nest and Malathot, or it's just going to be the Nest show. And, and I feel like Clarier could have something to say about that. I'll forgive the last run, um, and mainly because preceding this layoff, I mean, it's clearly been the plan for a long time to train up to this. She's, from the reports I've heard, has looked good in training. I'm, I wouldn't sleep on her entirely. If, do you buy, do you if, buy the case? No. If you believe in the tongue bite, then you're supposed to like her potentially more than Malathot, if you believe in the tongue bite. If you don't believe in the tongue bite, then you're supposed to kind of like say, oh, she tailed off and, and, and fade her. I, I kind of do believe in it. I do think that she's interesting. Um, what is and, that and story now, for those that don't know? Yeah, I mean, I, I just I, – you can Google. I think, I'm pretty sure she bit her tongue uh, in the last race in the, uh, in the person. That the excuse. Gotcha. Um, like, and I think from what I understand, pretty bad. Uh, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to Google it. Clarier tongue. <laughs> we'll see how good our SEO is. Does the In the Money Media Network come up when you when you Google uh, Clarier tongue bite? Yeah, I mean, I think I think that there's uh, had a significant cut on her tongue that we're going to doctor. We'll get that healed up. That was the day after the race, if I'm not mistaken. I somehow totally missed that, but it, it's uh, at the time anyway. But it's it's you know it's an excuse, but you know there there's they come up all the time and they're they're. As we always say, horses, not machines. And we'll see how she continues to look in the weeks, in the week out. Now, just days out from this year's Breeders' Cup. Let's move to the next of the three two-day doubles. What do we got, JK? Yeah, the juvie, uh, the juvenile dirt, the boys, um, into the classic, which, which oh. I think is fun. Um, this is fun. And you know the key question here. How, it's like our version of limbo. How low can you go on the potential payout in this one? Well, I will say this. There's two big full fields. So that's kind of cool. I mean, I think that, you know, I mean, it's going to go short, Cave Rock and Flightline. But, you know, I mean, there's other horses in here that I think people will play. Uh, Forte can take some money. National Treasure apparently working well. Verifying can take some money. Blazing Sevens uh, can take some money. I, I think that, 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 that you know, I think it'll be approachable. We'll see. I, I mean, I don't know how low it'll go, but I, I think it'd be, it, it's, it's going to be at least interesting to keep an eye on. It can't pay two to one. And it doesn't seem crazy. What, may, maybe three to two, maybe, maybe something like that. Your dollar yeah. gets you dollar fifty. Um, that doesn't sound crazy. I think I'd take the under still. But it's uh, it's going to be interesting, and I think we'll see what the hype is like. So, Cave Rock is one of the horses I saw this morning. I was I did not get up at you'll be shocked to hear this, J.K. I did not get up at five thirty for Flightline. Um, do you want to do that on Wednesday? You said you're going to be here for the morning on Wednesday. Should we do Flightline? He goes out at five thirty. Yeah, that's the problem. No, <laughs> I'll see him. You know what? I'll see it. I'll see. You know what? I'll see him. I'll see him on. Fi- I'll see him at five thirty p.m. on Saturday. How about that? <laughs> I might have to do it. I might have to do it. It just, you know, I'm writing this diary thing for for, uh, for for at the races, and it's like, how late? If I was my editor and my writer, who I was paying money, was like, I'm not going to get up to see Flightline. I think I'd find another writer. 
podcast. I don't yeah. think I really have a choice. <laughs> but yeah, I hear you. Give, give me your over under on that uh, on that dollar fifty pet problem. It's under. I think over. I think over. I think over. All right. Well, we'll we can have that be our head to head. I just don't think. think it, like, I think because I think there's a lot of people that are going to miss the pool. So I think that you're going to get a lot of. I think there's going to be a lot of randomness. I think there's going to be some randomness in there. People just being like, ah, you know, playing all in the flight line. I mean, geez, there's going to be people that are doing that. Yeah, that's kind of insane. What would be your wagering approach? I mean, do you think you think there could be enough of an overlay that you just? I mean, you're not you're not eligible to play it. I don't think in the BC. No, you can't play in the contest. No, I mean. I mean, I, I'll, I mean, if look, if it's if it's if it's if it's outsized, you know, if if I look up on the board and Cave Rock is one to two, then you just simply have to do a little bit of math. Yeah. You know, and and if I feel like there's some value there, um, I'll, I'll pop that thing. You know, a little bit. We'll see. <laughs> I was hoping there was going to be some math, so we'd have an opportunity for J.K. tries math fails, which we haven't had. Oh no, I learned. Long. Yeah, I learned. I learned to stop doing that. <laughs> <laughs> it was great for the bingo card, though. It was great for the in the money bingo card. Um, so, yeah, I don't see many as good as Cave. I was sort of hoping to be underwhelmed by Cave Rock because I wanted to be able to start trying to make a case for a Blazing Sevens or a case for a Forte. Uh, after seeing him, I, I'm starting to think I, I might bet the four to five. I think he will be one to two. So I'm thinking about maybe trying to take the line value of the four to five and just being done with the race. Yeah, I hear you. You, you wouldn't, you wouldn't talk me off that. No, I guess I was thinking. I'm hoping he goes off higher than one to two, but we'll see. It, it is still a full field, though, you know, and like, yeah. it's you know, it's still a full field. He's still a California horse. It's, it, you know, I, there's just going to be other horses that the champagne winners going to be in there, the futurity yeah. winners going to be in there, and you know, I just there's there's other horses that will sneak out some money on them. I think, you know. You're making good points, and I mean the big full field being the being the most critical one. But I don't know if everybody sees what I saw. I think he's just going to become like a total talking horse. And I mean, I, what was Uncle Mo? Well, I'd have to Google that. He I mean, can't he be shorter than dumb. Uncle Mo. He can't be shorter yeah. than Uncle Mo. Yeah. Let, let's see. What uh, I'm, I'm pulling up Uncle Mo. I'll yeah, have look it. that up. You, can, you have a way of looking that up real quick. Let, let's get let's get. I'll, I'll stallify. You don't you even need to. Up. I got it. Uncle Mo was. Uncle Mo was 1.4. So what is that? That's seven to five. Jeez. I thought he was odds on. Uh, yeah. He wow. was seven to five. So, yeah. I mean, I think he's going to go off at four to five. Okay. So, all right. And I'm going to do, I'm gonna do my best. I'm going to do my best to make him three to five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, even you, JK, don't have that kind of power. In these, uh, I know. I know. In these no, um, um, it will be fascinating to see how much money gets bet in these d- doubles and these, um, and the turf. Bets. I think the turf bets are going to do really well. Keeneland, audience, condition, because of the all-turf, pick three and pick four. The doubles could get a little lost, but I mean, I still think they're going to do well. It's Breeders' Cup, and I think people thinking about it the right way are going to be finding their opportunities. And there's one more opportunity, and I'm going to guess it connects the juvenile turf and the turf. It does. Yeah, it does. I mean, there might be an opportunity there, right? I mean, especially if the, the silver knot thing uh, into, you know, I mean, maybe it's just Charlie Appleby, that bad baby. It's just Charlie Appleby. Double. One by two. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, that that I wouldn't I wouldn't argue too much with anybody who had those ideas. I I will say this part, and and this is flaky, but I'll I'll just admit it. Part of my approach to the turf might be predicated on just how out of their skin the Appleby runners have done to that point. 
Because if he's just winning everything and the horses are all seemingly moving up a length or two, like they tend to do in North America, I, I see really very little point in getting too aggressive trying to beat him. If they're more just running okay, um, but not winning everything, running out of their skin, I think that's where I might try to get cute. And I'm certainly going to use them, but I might use them as contenders as opposed to, you know, using them the, the way that, that you would in the situation where Appleby continued to have, you know, flames coming off of his body. So that's a lot <laughs> on that. What else? Give us some, some more wagers that people can uh, sink their teeth into. There's some other special stuff. And then, of course, you have all the regular uh, suspects as well. Yeah, I mean, that's basically it. I mean, there's a there's a middle pick five on Saturday uh, that starts the Breeders' Cup races. So that'll be fun to get involved with. Um, yeah, I mean that's basically it. The, the, you know, I, that's we think we I think we covered them all. Good, um, covered them all. And the pick six on Breeders' Cup Day—that's something. Do you have? Uh, I know something you've gotten involved in heavily in the past. Is it something that you approach any differently? What What advice would you give to people? No, to it's a, it's a, it's a dollar home? minimum. It's a dollar minimum, which is nice. Um, and you know, I mean, I think for most people on Saturday, it's a it's a pick five. I mean, unless you're going to try to, I mean, I, I know some people that are going to, are going to just protect against that randomness of flight line getting beat. Uh, I'll be ice cold, but you know, it's, it's the, the dollar minimum helped quite a bit. I think, I mean, I love a $2 minimum breeders cup day, but you know, I think you can, I think it's a very approachable sequence. Is there a chance for a carryover from Friday into Saturday? There is, there right? There is. Yeah, yeah, there is. There is. So that's something to keep an eye out on. It'd be much more yeah. likely with a $2 than a $1. That would be awesome. You, you're, yeah. probably gonna need to, you're probably going to need to get Cave Rock beat in order for that to happen. Yeah, that's probably uh, nice. I would say Cave Rock would have to get beat, uh, and the Platinum Queen would have to get beat. I think if one, if, if one or both of those two win, you know, I, don't, I, I don't think there'll be any carryover. No, something to keep an eye on. Good. It is good there's a Mandy payout on uh, – on on Saturday, I'm looking forward to this man. I and and I'm going to do that exercise, and I encourage other people to do it as well. Grading out opinions on the races, setting aside bankroll. Let's attack this thing. You know, just don't treat it like a day you go to the track and are firing money around willy nilly. Like you, you need to have a plan. And then one of the best things you can do to get in the right mental state to handle the challenges, all this stuff coming fast and furious, is prepare your way to it. So I, I would say. Do the extra work, spend much more time than usual thinking about your bankroll and how you're going to place bets and, and construct tickets. I've had a few questions about ticket construction, and it's a tough one to get into in the limited amount of time we have left. But just at a very high level, let's talk a little bit of Breeders' Cup ticket construction. Uh, do you have any advice for somebody looking to improve in that area? Um, the only thing I would say is... You know, I think we, we, a lot of times we get stuck, you know, if you're playing a pick six at Aqueduct that has a, uh, you know, a, a, a 30 non-winners or two, or you're playing a, a maiden 40 sequence, a sequence of maiden 40 in it at Keeneland. You know, I think a lot of times in those situations, we, we, we use who we think is going to win. And then we use a lot more bees than we need to. I think Breeders' Cup weekend, the one thing that I've known and been able to do is there's a lot of situations where you don't have to use defensive types because you know what they are and you know what your a's are so you don't have to be scared of a horse and use as a b i think that's one thing that's different you know what i mean and 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 i i appreciate that that situation uh breeders cup weekend like 
you know, I mean, I was going to say I was pretty comfortable just using Jack's, Jack's war, Jackie, Jackie's warrior and Jack Christopher and the sprint. And then like maybe having one B horse. Cause I, I know who those horses are. I know my A's and I know who these other horses are. So I think it can kind of give you a little bit more comfort. I haven't done that race yet properly. Certainly it feels like Jackie's warriors chance increased greatly without Jack Christopher theoretically breathing down his neck the whole time. I don't mind your idea of trying to get a closer involved in there, but I do think generally I'm going to want to look holistically at the sequence. You know, first we're going to see where the opinions are, right? And then we're going to do some sequence choosing. And then from there, I think the next move is to decide, you know, where to tighten up and where it's okay. Cause I think in some races, especially if you're tepid on favorites, it's sort of the opposite opinion of what you're saying, JK, but in the right race, Breeders' Cup is a good time to let yourself get a little bit creative with backups as long as, you know, if it's a pick three and you have two races, you feel like you can lock up with one, two or three horses. I think it's OK then to use eight in the other in the other leg, potentially. Right, because, right. I mean, that that's one thing I think about. And, you know, I mean, the biggest thing I think as difficult as it is to win with caveman tickets on a regular day. It probably is all that much more difficult Breeders' Cup day. I mean, if you're a serious horse player, especially, I would really try to dial down into the idea of using main horses and backups and constructing multiple tickets. There's tools out there like Ticketmaker from DRF that will do this for you so you don't have to do it manually on a piece of paper like in the in the bad old days. But I, I would say... And, you know, I could see somebody arguing, oh, but it's chaos and it's prices. Why why can't I just go four by four by four? And if the favorites hit, you know, I, I just get my money back. Okay. I mean, if you want to play it that way. But I feel like the, the opportunities are so good that you want to give yourself all the extra edge you can to take advantage of that. Completely agree. Like, but I yes, like in a, in a race at the mile, sure, I would use lots of A's and B's. In a race like the uh maybe even like the dirt mile like you know maybe a press on Cody's wish and then some some more bees but there is races where you know it is what it is you know what it is and you don't have to be as nervous defensive which sometimes can happen for horse players yeah i think that's good advice so you have to look at the the sequences holistically and then formulate a plan that that suits your your opinion and your and your budget etc and and hopefully we're going to all hit this stuff and get paid. A lot more coming up on the network in terms of Breeders' Cup coverage. If you're listening to this right as it drops, tonight we've got the Breeders' Cup draft, the owner's box special with uh, Michelle and Billy, and we've got Jay Privman and Gabby Gaudette in there. I'll be watching that wherever I am. Uh, That's going to be a very fun show. And then Wednesday, we've got the final answers show the live stream. You, me, Vanessa Ryle, and Philip Shelton will be on hand for that one. Other podcasts through the week, going to catch up with Nick Luck at some point tomorrow, going to have Nick Tamaro on to talk about the process and challenges involved in making the morning line. Really looking forward to that one as well. Thursday night is the Pro Player Show with Paul and Sean. And you made a point before, JK, that I'm going to make sure to ask those guys about the the single flight line versus the outsized value you could potentially get if you can somehow get and beat. It is horse racing after all. See what those guys think about uh, the Breeders' Cup Classic and all the rest. As usual, the pro player show, less about picks and more 
just about talking theory and where they're going to want to put their money. And we get pretty, we get into the weeds in that show in the best possible way. Typically one of the most popular we do, the pro players round table actually brought to us by our friends at Mill Ridge this, this time around. So JK from you, any closing thoughts before we let you get packed and get on this plane and get your ass to Lexington? No, it's going to be fun. Let's uh, the, the draw is always interesting today. That, that one or two horses that, uh, that you're, you're excited about. I hope you draw where you want to. <laughs> that's the plan anyway. JK, we thank you very much. We thank our founding partners, Thoroughbred Retirement Foundation and 10 Strike Racing. Always fun to root for the purple and black around here. Looking forward to the return to the races of Looms Boldly as well. Hopefully I'll get to be there in person for that one. We might have to fly you in, JK. Hey, when is that? Is it going to be in New York? It, I, presumably it will be in New York, yeah. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be in New York like the 16th, 17th, 18th. I'll be, I'll be at Aqueduct. I'll talk to Brad. I'll tell him he has to run that weekend. What do you think? Uh, you think he'll yeah, like that? Let's, yeah, let's tell him. <laughs> Thanks, though, most of all to all of you, the listeners, for making these shows so much fun to do. This show's been a production of In The Money Media. Our business manager is Drew Coveney. Our chief creative officer is that guy over there, Jonathan Kitchen. I'm Peter Thomas Fornatel. May you win all your photos. <laughs>